What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Conspiranormal. Ren, you had some questions that you wanted to ask Alan, too. Well, okay, so this may be getting really, really deep in the weeds, but <laughs> I know That's Alan. Fine. <laughs> So I know Alan is a um, you know a student of Michael Bertrio, and uh, I have been reading the Gnostic Gudan workbook. And one really fascinating thing that uh, Bertrio talks about is the idea of um, like magical information systems. It's like different systems as magic of as almost like magical computers, and. Um, Particularly, I'm, I'm really fascinated by his use of, like, the Lovecraftian Yugoth. And, in, like, in particular, there's this uh, chapter about magical techniques of computer programming where he talks, uh, he says, When war is declared against the humanoids by the Yugothian mutants, the humanoids will not have any magical weapons. All of their weapons will have been taken by us, and our computer will control their deepest Eidic resources. The powers of the Meon and the manifestations of the goddess Yugoth, the most horrific aspect of Aditi, will then be revealed. At the very deep levels, the esoteric UFOs of Gnostic physics will begin to invade the psychosphere, while above the atmosphere of the materialist and humans will be turned into a field of chaotic negation by the action of the exoteric fleets of UFOs from the planetary systems of the fixed stars. And I just, I just wanted to get your opinion on, on, on like some of this, because coming into it from... A traditional magical training, like, you know, me being sort of a grimoire magician, you know, doing Renaissance angel magic and that sort of thing. This is like wild beyond compare. <laughs> I'm just curious. You know more, probably more about this than, than I do. Uh, probably, but only because uh, I consider Bertio, well, I'm, I'm not currently involved and I've never mm-hmm. been uh, deeply involved in any of the, the organizations that he directly set in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I hold a charter from Bertio for the rights of Memphis and Mitzrayim, but that's mm-hmm. a minor charter. He has this several organizations that he's assigned to various people. I assume as part of his legacy, he's in his mid to late 80s, I believe. And uh, uh, so he's 
looking for legacy, as indeed so am I. I mean, hopefully mm-hmm. further down the line, but uh, I, I consider him, with the death of Kenneth Grant, I consider him the best, by far, the best magician in the world. But mm-hmm. the consequence of that is his writing tends to be difficult. Mm-hmm. It took me a year to read the Voodoo Gnostic workbook. Mm-hmm. A year. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you the little anecdotal story about it. Uh, if it doesn't, I don't know how we're running on time, but this is a good story, I think. We got plenty. <clears throat> Back in the day when even uh, Mr. Uh, Waterman, uh, Jim Waterman, <clears throat> as I like to call him, uh, water carrier, James Water Carrier uh, uh, was friendly to me because I was more compliant in those days. He and Bill Breeze called me to come to New York because apparently after Breeze had recklessly made me an Episcopos of the Gnostic Catholic Church, even though I'm not a Catholic or exactly a Gnostic, nor do I I've been going to the same temple my whole life. <laughs> so I, you know, but I considered it to be like a chaplaincy in, in Masonic lore. And also the egregore of anything that I get involved in is you know, useful to me in terms of transmitting energies to others. Egregore is a very powerful thing and the longer it exists, uh, the more powerful it becomes. That being said, um, um, I had been elected by uh, Bertio's uh, Ecclesia Gnostica Spiritualis as one of their uh, missionary bishops to Nigeria, whatever that may have entailed. Uh, and uh, uh, my landlord was from Nigeria, so. I never mentioned it to him, though, and he gave me a good letter of reference when I moved over here to the to the lightning struck tower, tower, tower. So um, uh, I already had credentials from Bertio, and I got a letter from Bill Breeze, and I still have the letter, by the way. So. Uh, and he said, I recognize you as a bishop of the Gnostic Catholic Church within the OTF. Well, I wasn't even in the OTO at the time. I was not a member. Uh, I was just helping to organize there. And uh, it was not restricted in any way. So I, in effect, was an ecclesiastical member of the OTO, but not an initiate member. So apparently over the next few years, when he was just establishing his office, one of the major officials of the OTO complained, well, you haven't, he's not been consecrated in the OTO. And by then I was a, uh, what they call a master magician in the OTO, even though Breeze has said in my presence, in the presence of several other people, the OTO is not a magical order. Uh, Then what the fuck are you making? (laughs) You can believe that. Are you making uh, magicians and master magicians and charging? Well, that, that's a different problem. But anyway, so 
So uh, Breeze calls me to New York at his expense and Jim Wasserman's expense. They put me up in a nice hotel. Wasserman was out of town, so I didn't see him on that trip. He hates my guts now, and I hate his, so that's fine. Um, but in those days, it was okay. And he said, uh, a taxi will meet you. Get in the taxi, but don't tell them where you're going. They already know. And I go out to Brooklyn, and across to Brooklyn, I guess it is. And... Uh, um, he has this basement apartment, and that was the first time I met Breeze in person, and he was intent on reconsecrating me formally within the OTO because he had already done it in a, as a contract thing. So I said, okay, uh, and we talked about a number of things, and according to my records, he said, this is for life, blah, 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 blah. So I suppose I could even still claim it. Uh, anyway, so he took me into his kitchen, and he had this either bird feeder or water fountain. I'm not sure which. Maybe it was both. And he used it to, to uh, do a little... I believe impromptu ritual and make me uh, a, a poobah, uh, the, the designated poobah for the southeast at that time. And uh, then he said, well, uh, going back to your hotel, I said, uh, no, I'd like to go to the Magical Child Bookstore. I've never been there. Now, I assume uh, at least your older listeners, if any, will know what the magical child was. It was like mm -hmm. the place to get occult stuff. It was the first place a Gnostic mass was ever performed in New York. Um, actually, it was my future lodge master who performed it, and the the late um, uh, Margot Adler, uh, who was the priestess, which she was not a big fan of the OTO later, so that's very interesting. Um, so, I, uh, I went on to the bookstore and the owner, now deceased, uh, uh, I, I was mostly interested in getting a ring that would be appropriate to the new office that I held, but he wound up sticking on my finger a replica of the ring of Ankhaf Nakansu. I thought that was probably a bit much, but I couldn't take it off. <laughs> so he charged me half price. So I said, uh, do you carry this book that Michael Berdion's gotten out? And he said, yeah, two editions, the luxury edition and the uh, regular edition. So I bought one there, took it back to Atlanta, and it took me a full year to give it a proper read. That is, I'm not a slow reader. I must have read some thousands of books in my life. Uh, not many thousands, but you know, mm -hmm. several thousand. Uh, but it took me a year to read it and understand it. The only other thing I can think of is uh, a book on physics, which was much harder um, because it was radical physics and I had to really stop on each page and say, is this true? And nevertheless, I got it. 
after a mm -hmm. year or somewhere into it, I got it. First of all, the book needs an index and it needs an editor unless mm. it was Bertio's intention to skip from one thing to another to another to another <laughs> but the composite I think is the only modern magical grimoire that there is mm. and I learned a great deal of from that fortunately my then friend Jack Hogg said oh would you like to read that it's basically the fourth year course uh, for the Monastery of the Seven Rays. I said, that's that thing that was always buying a full-page ad in Fate magazine back in the 60s. He said, yeah, but uh, that is from Bertio, and uh, I, I can give you a copy of that. So mm. I read the three previous volumes, you know, so I read them back. Well, I didn't read them third, second, first. I read first, second, third, and I'd already read, you know, the Voodoo Gnostic workbook. And basically everything you need to know about magic up to that second level is there. Mm -hmm. If you have the patience to integrate things that may be in chapter four, and then in chapter seven, and then back to chapter three. And mm -hmm. the first chapter, I'm not sure that it's not meant to uh, chase people off that aren't mm -hmm. serious. Because mm -hmm. I'm not a lucky hoodoo. Are you a lucky hoodoo? Because you yeah. could be a lucky hoodoo too. <laughs> hey. Rin, tell everybody what uh, what happened while you're while we've been talking here. Oh, said something on Twitter. Yeah, I um I just happened to look over. I've I'm I've recently taken up in uh, our wonderful quarantine um the the practice of mycology, and in my mycology setup, I have a humidity. What is mycology? Uh, brain mushrooms. Okay. Perfectly yeah, legal yeah. mushrooms. <laughs> gotcha. so anyways, uh, I looked over at my humidity controller and it was at 93. Oh. 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 It's just a fun, oh, my fun is going to go through the roof. Because he says everything is 93 now. Echo was turned up to 11, bro. <laughs> so, so, Alan, um, I know... Part of your magical practice, like on, on your blog and on your website, um, you talk about Bertrios. And, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, but I think it's Bertio, Point Show. Bertio, Bertio. The Point Show system. Um, yeah. and I was curious if you could talk a little bit about that, or like uh, for maybe people who are more magically operant who may be listening to this, is that system worth pursuing, or like how have you integrated that into your own practice? Uh, long story, but look. Uh, Bertio uses it in the more, I mean, don't let the Voudan part of the title fool you. It's a book that is influenced by his years in Haiti under the tutelage of his teacher. Mm -hmm. But uh, so it's it's sort of the way that the, the Kui Shaw, according to my friend Karma, and she's a linguist, so I guess she's right. But mm -hmm. Over here in the south, we call it the points shod, and uh, it seems to work just as well. <laughs> in any case, um, he uses it in a more traditional manner. So somewhere in the early 1990s, I think um, same guy that did the Spirit Builders that I mentioned earlier, Tal Palamas, was nice enough 
Uh, I found my original notes while I was looking for something else from the early 90s, and he turned it into a booklet, which is, if you want it, I can uh, send you a free PDF of it because it's not a book as such, and I can't make it into a book because he says he's incorporating it into a book of his with my permission, which is fine. Um, But basically... I started modifying the system with uh, going back and forth with Vertigo on it to make sure that I wasn't doing something wrong. And what I was essentially doing was trying to find uh, a non, how shall I put it, non-mystery play form of initiation using the 97 points of the Memphis Mitzrium. Uh, system of initiation and and what uh, are these points can you elaborate on that a little bit think of um you know what acupuncture meridians are right Mm -hmm. everybody does now because it's long past trendy and i'm a big believer in acupuncture um it's similar to the acupuncture meridians and to some extent it overlaps with them in terms of where they're located on the human body with the following difference. Other things can be pre-shot too, can be point-shot. In other words, objects can be imbued with a point or the points, whatever. Mm. But they correspond very closely with the... Um, Um, with the acupuncture meridians with the difference that there are only 97 known points. I personally believe that like uh, acupuncture, there are uh, um, 360 degrees. The -hmm. word degree coming from the ancient uh, uh, Latin uh, gratis or grade, which is used in magic or uh, um, it's it's basically something of extreme antiquity and refers to the complete circle divided up into 360, which happens to be more or less the rotation of the earth around the sun. So it's, it's at various levels and, uh, and I have uh, discussed that on my website, which is in the process of migrating right now after God, how many years? How long ago was 1995? <laughs> 25 years ago. Yeah. Boy, you should have seen hey, man, it back I, then. I know a guy. I know a guy. I think we can facilitate that a little faster than that. Well, I tell you what. Uh, the bells and whistles I had on that, it was fashionable back then. <laughs> and, uh, and a friend of mine has been webmaster for some years so a lot of the bells and whistles at my request are gone but uh and now it's uh uh my uh, main squeeze well only squeeze really at the moment uh i shouldn't say at the moment not on the air because she's going to hear this my main squeeze and <laughs> my only squeeze is uh, uh a, a computer whatever you call it, people that divide uh, build web pages is rebuilding it and uh, into a more professional looking. In any case, um, 
So the, really what, the, what the point uh, showed, like, is the idea that manipulation of these different points on your, like, each one is kind of assigned a different, like, let's say, occult virtue or occult power, and that by manipulating these points, those powers can be utilized or imbued into things? Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, the, the only difference from acupuncture, I think, and they may even coincide with, if you ever figure out what the 300 acupuncture points are, mm -hmm. is that acupuncture is entirely for healing purposes. Mm -hmm. And while the properties of the uh, point shod uh, uh, also have healing properties, they are activation of what amounts to living entities mostly to be found, at least the way I work them, mm -hmm. in the human body. And they are not primarily for healing. Mm -hmm. uh, I would prefer the laying on of hands if you wanted to do spiritual healing. They're mm -hmm. primarily for spiritual illumination according to the degree of the system of Memphis and its rhyme that they correspond to. Mm -hmm. And that in turn has a kind of 777 set of correspondences that mm -hmm. is, uh, goes out to an infinite number of columns, just as 777 does. Mm -hmm. Not the same, because it's not the same number or has exactly the same purpose, but basically you could have a, for example, a color column or mm -hmm. a frequency column, which is probably getting closer to the truth. I think that's... Hmm. The key, key to Richard Shaver is to understand that he was an arc welder when he first had these experiences. And probably if you could find out what specific welding equipment he was using and could identify the frequency at which it was welding, you probably could have very, very similar uh, experiences of contacting these whatever they are. I certainly don't think they're mm -hmm. from the inner earth. I think they're on other sides of the portals of uh, one of the two major uh, multi-worlds theories of uh, quantum physics, which is, mm -hmm. that's way in the weeds for, <laughs> for a program. But, but it, yeah. I think that is the key. It's right here now, but you have to mm -hmm. cross over. That's so so free, free Illuminism is a way to preserve these visceral reactions and feelings and teachings that you can get in a, in a physical, real-life ritual with other people and to, at the same time, break down the hierarchical authoritarian structures that you say are a hindrance to preserving this knowledge into the new aeon. Right, and in turn, I can push ahead and hope that if if we're successful at doing that in the occult world, that maybe some of the less crazy people, and that's a whole different story, in the broader world will stop playing at uh, uh, angels dancing on the head of a pen and learn how to do that in the greater, wider world. And that's a whole story in and of itself. In other words, if a model can be done successfully. It's a little like the few businesses that have been seized by their uh, rightful owners, the people that work there, and have successfully continued to uh, uh, to manage and elect their uh, 
mm, temporary bosses, uh, that is, facilitators who, you know, organize the day's work for a year and then they have another election. So it's mm-hmm. secret society syndicalism. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm oh, down for that. Not secret. <laughs> Occult society syndicalism. And it is actually, and I do use that word, although most of these people are apolitical and they don't even know what the word means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's syndicalist. And even you could argue it's anarcho-syndicalist. Yeah. If you want to know more about this, uh, conspiratorial listeners, just go back and listen to the episode where I talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably it, still get emails on that one. <laughs> you can't talk about it. It's copyrighted by me, even though I don't believe in copyright. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm yes. If you don't laugh at some of this stuff, including Corona beer, a uh, virus. Excuse me. I get those two confused. Uh, you're not going to get through. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definite if you get really down about it. You watch a couple of Mel Brooks movies, yeah. and you're fine. One big cosmic joke. That may be. Was there, any, so other, was there any other questions that you wanted to ask, Ren? Um, I, I do have one. This is kind of a little unrelated to what we were talking about, but more on the, the realm of magic. Because um, reading through your website, uh, you do talk about um, sex magic. And this show has had uh, a couple episodes on magic. So um, I wanted to just sort of ask, I was recently having a conversation with a a fellow occultist, and he was sort of implying to me that uh, sex magic is the only true magic, and that um, all of the other sort of ritual magic and contacting your HGA and all this kind of stuff was all child's play compared to the, the the true gnosis of sex magic and I sort of like uh, bristled at that idea and, and thought that was a little um, a little outrageous to say I'm just curious what your opinion on that would be sounds like somebody who really wants to get laid <laughs> <laughs> well it's worked for me so what can I say <laughs> <laughs> Not with the girl at the synagogue way back when, though. Oh. Which, th- th- there are some reasons why they separate the men and the women in those synagogues. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, boys will be boys. Men are pigs. What can I say? Um, no, I think that that's, that's uh, it is a valuable, I was going to say tool, but that is a double entendre with that. <laughs> It is a valuable instrument. No, there's no word that I can use. The wand and the sword, it's useful if you know what you're really doing and you have years of training in yogic concentration and use it for certain specific purposes. It works very well, but not any better than some other things. There is an underlying truth in that the universe itself has polarity and begins with the Big Bang, a.k.a. the Great Orgasm. <laughs> Think about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're basically, uh, if you're looking for spiritual truth uh, and finding uh, points at which you can't go beyond, 
Uh, it says it in Latin, right on my little slogan on the left-hand side of my Facebook page. Uh, so I'll leave it to you to go to my Facebook page. All of you, feel free. <laughs> you can't join me as a friend now because uh, uh, on high, it has been decreed that you can only have 5,000 friends. It's only us lucky few. That, yes. that have yeah. here. <laughs> well, I'm actually sending notes to because all of a sudden, uh, and I'm sure this is. Oh, yeah. There's one other thing about the Hellier crew. One other thing, it's not just the people that are doing the stuff that is being so excellently, is that a word, documented uh, mm. in the series. It's people who watch it who become part of the initiation. Because I know people out there through various programs that I've done and people who've gotten in touch with me directly or whatever, mm -hmm. that they're experiencing synchronicities too and are being motivated to do similar things to which I say, you know, do it carefully. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, um, this, is, this is the way to go. This is an active search for truth rather than a passive search for truth. And or rather than a highly structured search for truth, which isn't a search for truth, it's search for a specific idea, which may or may not be true. So they have uh, the the pebble in the pond effect. They have had ripples and ripples, and they're still going outward. So so be it. I hope there's a hellier three. Let's hope. Hey, Alan, in the time that we got left, man, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, your new book and what, uh, what you've written in it, what, uh, what it's about. I have a new book? The, the latest book, The God <laughs> Never Does the Same Thing Twice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I decided, why not follow in the footsteps of Hunter Thompson in my own way? Because if you followed in his footsteps, you wouldn't be following in his footsteps, if you follow what I mean. <laughs> Say some stuff without asking myself, is this going to get laughed at? Is this going to look weird? Stuff that I didn't, well, I, the, I didn't say in other works that I have done, some of which is shocking, some of which is pretty mild stuff about why archaeology screws itself up with, uh, with formalism, um, some of which is uh, literally true and some of which is metaphorical. And I never ask myself, are people going to buy into this? Are people going to believe it? Like uh, the account that I give of General Patton's uh, uh, entry into uh, uh, what was then Czechoslovakia, and uh, the decision to go on himself to Prague, to the the, the synagogue uh, that the golem was first raised in to see if he could find the golem and what happens to him there. Um, it's based on historical fact but I leave it to the individual to decide what, you know, where it's going. I try not to ask myself any questions during the whole course of it. Some of it is straightforward history. Some of it is metaphor. It's 
I'm not sure if I would do the title again. It is actually a quotation from the Berter Shever uh, Rebbe, um, uh, who has this interesting group of followers that call themselves the Nachmach. For he was Rabbi Nachman of Berter Shever. Anyway, um, he said he was a storyteller. Didn't live a very long life, but he was a storyteller and a good one. And he once said, God never does the same thing twice, which has levels of meaning, I think. I don't want anyone to read the book and think, this is Alan Greenfield's opinions of the way the universe works. It's Alan Greenfield just pulling out the stops and saying stuff. And I figured it was about the time in my life to write one of those. I wrote my history of magic, which there's talk about a new edition of that, but frankly, I had problems with the publisher that I had at the time. And uh, uh, so I had the book pulled. Uh, it's, of course, like all of my books, uh, and one or two things that I didn't write, but it's, it's got my name on it. <laughs> so that's okay, too. Um, um, They've been uh, appropriated by the internet, and uh, they're available as PDFs or whatever uh, from Scribd or wherever you, wherever you steal books from these days. <laughs> and uh, who am I? There's no such thing as bad press, Eddie. To quote Martin Landau's Oscar-winning uh, portrayal of Bela Lugosi. And I truly believe that. So that being the case, I just uh, put this out there and it's it's me. It may not be all things that I literally believe are true, but it is me. So if you're interested in what gives rise to these other things, by all means, buy it. What, where, does the quote, where does that quote on the back of the book come from? I didn't have any. Uh, let me clear one thing up. Since the 1970s, when I self-published a little book that you can't find anymore called Saucers and Saucerers, the main point of which was on the cover, um, which I did not draw. I hired an artist for that. Um, I, I am not a typesetter. I am... Yeah. Not a book designer. I am not a distributor. I am not yeah. a wholesaler. I once I write it and someone accepts it for publication, my control over it consists of: Do you are you okay with this? Yeah, that's all. So I I, I don't the covers I see probably later than a lot of people who are reading it. Well, like and, I can I can read it real quick. It says, uh, "Arise and grieve not," whispered the archangel. The day is not yet. One soon shall arise and bring fresh fever from the skies. The Messiah embraces the crescent. You, I shall say, embrace the cross. Sooner than the blinking eye of which uh, the, the eye of God, both cross and crescent, shall yield the word which a prophet I shall send shall speak. This I promise you. There's a series of interludes in the book that uh, have to do with the foreshadowing 
of the eon of Horus, so-called. I mean, there are other mm -hmm. names that would be just as good. And obviously, there are a few things in there that are direct references to that. But what I do is I speak of the Archangel Michael, clothed in dull gray armor, speaking to various very real people. Uh, and in this case, it was, uh, I don't remember, it was either Sabotage Svi, the so-called false messiah that uh, almost swept Judaism into a uh, heresy in the 1600s, and then himself uh, faced with death before the uh, um, the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire um, became a Muslim and that sort of shattered the movement. And then a hundred years later, this sex magician claimed to be the reincarnation of uh, Tzvi. And uh, um, Jacob Frank was his name. And he was a much more interesting person because he certainly anticipated, we talked about sex magic, he was a sex magician mm, trying to be the Jewish Messiah. Um, and it was a, those were movements with millions of followers at the time that, uh, that have been sort of buried in embarrassment by the, uh, by the Jewish establishment since then. So uh, I have the angel appearing periodically in the book telling various people, going all the way up to, to an actual rabbi who had a um, learned uh, debate with Aleister Crowley during his American period. That is when he was afraid to get back on the Lusitania because he had some, some ridiculous fear that it was going to get sunk by the Germans. But, you know, <laughs> I can't help his, his cowardice and in the face of war. But uh, that is actually the truth. But uh, he had this debate with this rabbi, and uh, I carried it a little further. It's an interesting book to people that have interest in spirituality, in Philema, in Aleister Crowley, in Jesus of Nazareth, and me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're basically saying, I mean, so you think it's a coincidence that the uh, the angel that appears at a certain point in season two of Hellier just happens to be Michael? No, and it's Michael, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, come on. Michael. Well, I mean, anybody that does the lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram or the greater, uh, <laughs> if you don't say Michael, the ritual is <laughs> totally fried, and I've heard it done, you know. On my right hand be Mike, on my left hand be... <laughs> Uriel. Or how come all the priestesses for many years suddenly developed a bad English accent? <laughs> oh, no. Continuous one of heaven, let it be ever thus. Yeah, oh, bullshit. They're not actors. They should not try to be actors. They're well, in a mystery play. Mystery play. It's not a religious ceremony. It's a mystery play. People it would <laughs> to, uh, to check out um, good old Poke Runyon and how he does the uh, LDRP. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
yeah. couple of YouTube video about Solomonic magic, which is a, a must-watch for any any true student of the occult. Yes, uh, I've watched it, and uh, he has this interesting little film that's on Tubi, which also has five of my son's movies on it. So I hmm. keep saying, Alex, you need to get residuals because. <laughs> <laughs> They're running five at a time. Don't end up like Mo Larry and Curly in the old actor's home because they didn't get residuals and they got like paid for $25, $25 for each 15-minute slapstick comedy and wound up broke and impoverished. And I feel guilty enjoying their throwing pies at each other and hitting each other over the head. Sounds so. like entertainment. That's entertainment. That's Hollywood. <laughs> Corporate beasts. Workers of all nations unite. Throw Trump out. No, no. <laughs> this was a paid political advertisement paid for by friends of Alan Greenfield for President 2028. His slogan will be if Sanders can run at 80, why can't I run at 80? <laughs> hey, I'd vote for you, Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah you I would, would too, man, no doubt. Uh, you for you for seven some. others, we would really take the, but we do a 50-state, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, let's not go with that, because some <laughs> idiot is going to start a campaign, and then I'm in big trouble, I think. <laughs> How I would run the country? Dissolve it. Yeah. My first act, I used to be, have we got two minutes for me to do this? Yeah, we got more than that. Uh, Someday, if you care to, I will do, be glad to do a program that mostly talks about what I never talk about, which is my career as a street activist. Because up until 1992, and I was already... 50-ish then. Uh, I never voted. I was opposed to voting. I thought any vote is a vote for the system. Mm-hmm. I got tired of seeing Reagan and Bush get elected. So for the first time and every time since, I have voted for the lesser evil, which is the way I regard all politicians. But the point is in the... Um, what year was it? I guess 1984. Yeah, significant year. Um, when Reagan was running for his second term against God knows which weak Democrat that he was running against, I organized at the ex church in Atlanta. Lawndale. Yeah. Uh, at the, at the, uh, it wasn't Kerry, it was, it was some other idiot. Uh, Mondale, yes. yes. A nice man, but not a presidential material to go against an actor who had his wife whispering in his ear because he forgot a lot of things. Um, um, by the way, my first wife flashed Reagan uh, when he was running the first time. But anyway, so <laughs> nice. that year I came up w- with an ingenious idea that I took to my affinity group. I said, Let's get a couple of the bands that we uh, uh, that we're you know sort of in line with uh, 
uh, one was Little Disgusting to School Children, and the other was Neon Christ. From the names, you get the idea of what kind of band they were in the 1980s. And Rent the Existentialist Church, which was affiliated with the Universal Unitarian Church, but was called the X Church, and rightly so. Um, um, and have a uh, concert, a free concert on election, election night with the advertisement, admission free to those who don't vote, and $5 for those who do. And it was a big success, but then, you know, it was the last time I did it because I thought, well, you can be an advocate for revolution, but it ain't going to happen quickly. And in the meantime, uh, there are people who will press the button and people who won't. And that should be your criteria. And I have voted ever since, but I am still a philosophical anarchist and have anarchistic uh, intent. Yeah, I'd love to hear you talk more about that because I know um, well, you, were, you were talking about in public. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about not being a great typesetter, but um, I I found an issue of a zine that you were uh, in, involved uh, with. I thought it was great. What what was the zine? Um, do you, is it okay if I say the name? Never heard of it. Okay, uh, the the Circle A. Um, Never heard of it. Never <laughs> heard of it. It is possible to find, I think, issue number four online uh, if you if you have a good Google skills. But uh, it's very entertaining, and and I love seeing it because I'm just like, I've only had a sort of political awakening in the last, uh, you know, probably four or five years, and it's it's cool seeing that there were people thinking the same things back in the '90s and you know even before. Because I, I think a lot of a lot of the time I think of the early '90s as this sort of uh, you know completely dry period. For those were all, okay. the uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's good. Um, can I tell you when I stopped thinking yeah. that street anarchism was a good thing, mm. or that it was that it was premature? In mm. uh, the hundredth anniversary of the unfortunate hanging of the Haymarket martyrs in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a huge effort uh, worldwide to bring as many people who self-identified as anarchists and our RCP hangers on who were always looking for converts for their little tiny franchise um, come to Chicago and have a march, uh, a commemoration, whatever we could do and we were mostly staying at this church that opened up its basement to us which was a huge you know used as a meeting room and we had a thousand thousand people there I think that was the largest purely anarchist gathering in that period of history or any time in recent history mm -hmm. and we were eating dinner and at that time I was a vegetarian I'm not a vegan vegan but a vegetarian uh, and uh, but that was not a political position for me. That was what I considered to be the ethical and healthiest way to go through life. And um, we had a group of armor 
IWW meat cutters who were on strike who mistakenly thought that their being there and their being uh, appealing for our support as a quote group would be more than welcome. And while their spokesperson, the union shop steward, was speaking, he got interrupted by a group of anarcho-vegans who who put their hands up on their heads like horns and started going moo, moo, and passing out. All of them were passing out leaflets about, you know, the (laughs) the evils of of eating animal flesh. They go to alienate the working class like the left has been so good at since then. Anyway, they arrived at my table. This is, and, uh, handed me one of their leaflets while they were moving on by and I got up on the table which was I must say most of the people around it were members of my own affinity group so I knew I wasn't going to be tracked with too much and I took the the leaflet and theatrically tore it in half and threw it on the floor suddenly I was surrounded by angry hungry looking vegans why did you do that? That was just theatrical. And I said, what you're doing is theatrical. And people here are here for one common, in common reason, which is that they all think the state is a bad idea. And it ranges way across the board from people who are borderline libertarians to people who are borderline um, um, nihilists. And in order to bring us together, a certain amount of camaraderie and tolerance is necessary. Mm-hmm. I did it to be theatrical. You did it to be theatrical. And the guy goes, oh, well, since you put it that way, I understand. But from that day on, I, I went home. I wrote an essay called Control Systems and Social Change. Mm-hmm. And I continued to be involved for a while, but I just didn't have my heart in it. Because Mm -hmm. what I said was, what we need is political education before we do anything else. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not lost that so many anarchists can be just as authoritarian, or if not more. Exactly. That Mm -hmm. was was the way that I saw it. And, uh, or people that call themselves anarchists, but who obviously have some other... A hyphenated cause that they care about. Um, I would call myself an anarcho-syndicalist, but I'm not pushing syndicalism as a separate separate thing, but as a means to an end. That is, if you want people who labor to be in control and exercise their own democracy and aren't stupid enough to call it a Soviet, which is an accurate uh, yeah. uh, word, but Mm-hmm. carries bad connotations for which we can thank uh, Stalin and Lenin for. Um, the reality is, wow, the corner of my thing just said Adam is recording the call. For the show, yes. Oh, yeah. I'm we are making a show. <laughs> you mean we're on the air? I thought this was <laughs> 
Mine eyes have seen the glory of the Oh, beautiful. Everybody join your for space, the skies. Lovely ways and beautiful. My country. No, that sounds too English. Uh, God, just say God real loud. God bless America. Yes. Yeah, God bless Trump. May he continue to be what he is. <laughs> that the Lord would choose such a, a fallen, imperfect man to fulfill his <laughs> destiny. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm sure with all those people praying for him, he'll be in one of the medium hells, not, you know. <laughs> Not down there with Saddam Hussein and Hitler and somewhere a little higher in Dante's cosmology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets him, you know, just beaten up every day by his victims. Okay. I, this show has definitely gone in places that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this That's is great. What we this That's great. what we wanted. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, this is great. Okay, this is going to make the hell your people never want to talk to me yeah. again. <laughs> That's why we got Ren on here, too. So. Yeah, I mean, no, this is great because I, I really wanted this show to go places that I haven't heard other interviews uh, you yeah, were on go. Exactly. You know, like a lot of people kind of, a lot of the interviews I listen to you on, like uh, people just kind of ask you the same stuff over and over again and they never really ask you the interesting questions. So that, that's why I wanted to be on. Oh, they ask, but you will notice I never give the same answers. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to split this up into two. I don't even know. Uh, spontaneity. We'll figure out how we want to do it. Mm-hmm. This has been this has been really really excellent, guys. I, well, I really appreciate it. Well, it's, speaking as the uh, as Bill Breeze, uh, let me say that I've enjoyed being on your program and uh, and. Uh, I will continue to be Bill Breeze as long as they let me. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Posing is Alan Greenfield, that nefarious, radical, confused, pathetic human being. <laughs> I, I, Bill, I, 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 I guess. William Gary Keith Reed. I, I guess really to ask you guys. America, even though I'm French, <clears throat> which he is. You know. <laughs> I guess really to ask you guys, like, what's what's next for y'all? Ren, Alan, what's next, guys? What do you go? What what's what are you working on? Molotovs? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm too old for that. But I'm uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not. <laughs> next is the ordeal of. Doing Timothy Green Beckley's show with Tim Swartz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know Beckley. You guys go way back, don't you? We go back to 1962. Oh, man. Yes, exactly. Tim and I were keen ufologists together, and we have been. Oh, shit. Many, we get many, you guys together. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're we're. Uh, I call him my oldest friend, but that's a double entendre if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Thank Red, you. What about, what about you? 
Um, right now, my big projects are uh, still just attempting to bring parapsychological and magical equipment um, for study and exploration to the masses, uh, free of charge and open source. Like I've, I've spent the last three days going over research papers uh, by Michael Persinger about the, you know, the Corin helmet or the God helmet, uh, because I want to um, like build one uh, from scratch, and I want to provide plans for other people to build their own instead of having to pay some random person on the internet seven hundred dollars for one. Because I'm pretty Ray, sure the parts to build two. One for you, mm-hmm. and one for your really good buddy, Alan Green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. And, it, it, you know, I, I'm also trying to build, like, a DIY version of the uh, Lucia light machine or the Pandora Star light machine yes, that's supposed yeah. to induce out-of-body experiences because they're, like, $20,000. And it's just a bunch of LEDs and, like, a halogen bulb. Like, there's no reason. It costs so much money, and it's ridiculous, and that kind of stuff really, really boils my blood. So um, I, I don't want access to this type of equipment to be limited to people of means. Um, you know, I remember talking to uh, one of my, my fellow magicians, um, uh, Sam Block, recently, um, just privately, and, and he mentioned I was kind of lamenting the fact that all the materials to build the trithemian, you know, table and pedestal and stuff are so expensive because it's like ebony and gold and all these you know, expensive materials, and he said, uh, you know, this this isn't the poor man's art. And he was joking, I mean, you know, I, but How I... It's very true, though. How very it's true. true. Yeah, it's very true, and, and I, don't, I don't think it should be that way. I think it should be for everyone. You know, magic is for everyone, so... That, that's what I'm working on right now, and just like trying to to build these tools and to provide my plans and how I did it, and just to, to get this stuff into the hands of uh, many people as possible. Can you make a, a $10 cardboard dream machine that you can play on 45 RPM on a standard record player? That would be... Uh, no, but I think that would be the most democratic thing I'll I could do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll look into it. <laughs> the amazing psionic machine costs nothing to make. You just yeah. make it. It's just a uh, piece of tin foil wrapped around a piece of cardboard as mm-hmm. the platelet. And then you have a, um, a schematic of a real machine, and you mm-hmm. turn the platelet, and you get different uh, different effects according to it. Oh, so you're talking about like the radionics machines. Well, like. it, was, it was called the Amazing Psionic Machine originally. Yeah. Uh, it started off, I think it was a, uh, uh, what was it, Joseph Campbell? No, 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 other Campbell. Uh, the one that did science fiction magazines. He's yeah, I think um, Peter Lavenda talks about it in Sinister Forces. Like it's this, um, yeah. like like somehow you can get actual electrical measurable effects out of a drawing of a schematic, not even an actual like piece of electronics, just a drawing of one. That's well, right. What was and it what works. was the ancient occultism why, when but... people were just writing on parchment? Isn't that the same thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, like. It, these things, those things look cybernetic, mm-hmm. and, and don't just like that. On parchment. I mean, the I, symbols of goetic demons look yeah, to me when I look at that. I see, exactly. I see schematics. You know. Well, it's cheaper anyway, and if it works, you know, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. that's just fine. I can think of a million uses for it right now. They're going through my head, and I, I'm suddenly very secretive. <laughs> I want to turn something off. (laughs) It has nothing to do with your show. (laughs) Oh, dear. 
what happened to the general, so to speak? All right, guys. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, thanks a lot. Where should people yeah. look for your? Where should people first go on the internet to um, contact you, Alan? Well, my girlfriend uh, Michelle is revising my my twenty-five-year-old uh, site, and it should be up in a matter of days now. So it will have. A lot of the same stuff that was on the old site, but in a totally new format, and who knows what, I, it'll, it'll be up to date on books and things, and I presume she's checking all the links for dead links, so that should be up in a matter of days, and I think she's switching uh, so that it, 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 instead of being what it was in the 1990s, uh, which was... Um, Hellfire at Mindspring.com, which is still up <laughs> as far as I know, because that reflected things that I was into at the time, including uh, a my attempt at a re revival of the infamous Hellfire Club. Uh, and, and that certainly doesn't apply to anything that's on there right now. Uh, but uh, it, I think it's just under uh, alangreenfield.com or something like that I'll, I'll i'll announce it on my uh facebook page. and all your books are available on page all the that. platforms pretty much it depends the ones that are that are in print are you can still yes. get the complete right of memphis i don't I, I don't think i get royalties on that anymore but can you recommend it, any places that are the best places for, for people to purchase books any of the usual outlets, I okay, think. Cool. Uh, uh, Albris, uh, uh, Barnes and Noble, which, by the way, I think they've closed a lot of their stores for the for the apocalypse. And uh, Amazon certainly has it, and Amazon Europe has it because. Uh, and uh, uh, that's also true, as far as I know, of uh, God Never Does the Same Thing Twice. And those are the only two that I still, uh, I don't get royalties, as far as I know, on, on Memphis. But I really, the more people that get it, the happier I am. And if they get the revised edition, in the back of it, it brings it up to date. So you don't just have the formulaic Yarker versions of the rituals. You get a way of working with it uh, strictly using the uh, Pui shot. Although I will uh, caution people that uh, you need not to go into that cold. It needs to be uh, properly prepared for um, by... Uh, one of several means, but it's all explained in the uh, appendix to the book. And uh, of course, uh, thanks to the great work of others, including my publisher, Olin Phillips, and, uh, uh, and my other publisher, Blue Star Press, uh, uh, these books are available pretty well anywhere and uh, especially in terms of sales uh, people are buying the 
uh, complete secret cipher of the euphonauts that you know that's both books together cheaper um, uh, like hotcakes I mean they're considering that the uh, the original uh, Illuminate press edition has been gone for decades uh, this is having tremendous sales and uh, so I'm very happy that it's out there and I do you know owe a huge debt to the Hellier people for popularizing it and also because what I wanted to happen back in the day was I thought people would work with it and there would be, you know, books by other people that said, I worked with this cipher, it works, and here's the experiences that I had with it. It didn't happen. It's happening now. Other people are having these experiences and I expect within a year or so there's going to be a book or two that eclipses the, um, the work that I did and I will consider that I have made a real contribution to understanding what all of these phenomena are really all about. Bryn? Yeah, oh, so we've got a lot of uh, noise. Yeah, there's there. a lot of noise yeah, going gonna... on. <laughs> Alan brought it. <laughs> Alan, what did you do? I detect there being a tree in your path. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when I was out running last night, no, it was night before last, there was a balloon in a tree next to the road, and I would have, have tried to get it, but it was way up in the tree. I wanted to see at least what it said, because I've never seen that myself before. I mean, I've seen balloons, but in buildings or whatever. Uh, but the pollen is so thick. All these beautiful flowers in bloom, but I am allergic to everything. And pollen is the second worst there is. So every spring, it's just difficult for me. But, you know, I, so I didn't get the balloon, but uh, uh, it was, it made me think of, of Hellier and the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. What I mean, color was it? I couldn't see it. It's, it, it, it's I, I don't, I, I avoid people uh, because of the coronavirus and I don't have any protective equipment. So I don't, I don't go out and run or ride my bicycle uh, before midnight when nobody's around. And therefore it was off in the woods a little bit. Uh, like a few days before that, I saw a um, uh, an opossum uh, trying to get away from me up in a tree, like I was going to chase it or something. You know, <laughs> you know what? On the bike. Yeah, you know what squirrels do? They go around the tree where you can't see them, and if you look around the tree, they go in further around the tree. I say, I'm not out to hurt you little possum <laughs> <Dinner. 
I'm a oh, nice this- guy. I don't like vegans, though. No, actually, I do some of my- <laughs> They don't. They don't have such illuminated people on bicycles coming through every day on their on their block, you know. So yeah, they get a little taken aback. I uh, not at the speed that I go at. So. Well, this has been awesome, guys. Um, stay Brand- on the line for us. Ryan, where can we find you, though? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So um, I have a blog at liminalroom.com that is uh, frequently updated. Um, If you want to find me on Twitter, where I I post more frequently, that's uh, at liminalbird. And if you want to play around with the secret cipher of the Euphonauts um, after you you buy Alan's book and read it, you should check out naeq.io, which is a tool that I created with the help of my friend Alan, where you can uh, put in words and it will output values and numbers for you and you can do your own investigations using that. And it's excellent. I think um, it is the best to come along since uh, since Lexicon. There are a couple of good ones out there, but it's uh, Ren has come up with the best and it is uh, I think it's going to become the dominant, uh, I call it the decoder. <laughs> hey. Decoder ring. Yep. Well, I'm not going to call it that because then Captain Midnight will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. This has been excellent. Stay on the line for us, and uh, we'll be back to close out the show very briefly on Conspiranormal. that was fun that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun um so Ren I guess you could just help us well I guess Serfiel what did you want to talk to Ren a little bit more about some stuff or what oh I don't I don't know man I'm pretty pretty blown away I don't know (laughs) okay okay well just help us close out the show Ren I guess right. we'll do it that way, and then okay. uh, I guess we'll all go our merry ways. Um, so that was a long interview with Alan Greenfield. Might be this two one, episodes. It it could be. Uh, maybe. I think. We'll see. I, I think it might need to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. That's fine. We'll see. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how we'll, we'll see how much material we got because I think at Either one way, point we, we, we've got our go ahead and what well I think at one point you sent me the thing that said it was like about we were about three hours yeah like well total, I, I sent so. you periodic text just saying just keep them going just keep it going yeah because because yeah. I I want everybody to just feel free to express themselves tonight is is great that's what I wanted a real free form thing. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I, I appreciate, you know, you guys invited me on to, to talk to Alan because they're, like I said uh, earlier, you know, there's a lot of questions that I don't hear people ask him, you know, and, and yeah, this, yeah. this is a man with a, a wealth of knowledge about the early history of ufology, about yep. like the occult, you know, a lot of people forget that he's, he's also a practicing magician who knows yep. a lot about the occult and has had, uh, you know, ties to um, some of the most important occult figures uh the modern era, you know, so absolutely, you know, and the I secret cipher is cool. Yeah, a lot of people listening to Conspiracy Normal, um, I think, are really hip to a lot of stuff. They want to get, you know, they want to get into the weeds. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to really give that to them. Yeah, 
Yeah, he just has such a wealth of experience and just like every we talked about just like a gamut of subjects tonight and we kind of got him on his whole like social activism back when he was young. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to hear him talk more about that. I don't think anyone that. has talked to him about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. really I mean the only time I've ever heard any him talk about that at all uh, recently is I think uh, he was doing an interview with Paul West and some other people where he kind of briefly touched on it, but not at the level he did even on this show. And, uh, yeah. you know, I would love to hear a, another show with him talking more about his, you know, activism and, and uh, talking about, like you guys mentioned his, his UFO cases that he's went out and studied. Like he mm-hmm. said, he, you know, had a Pascagoula story that I, I've never heard and I would love to hear it. Yeah. It seems like, it, it seems like, you know, he's just like his political views and his views on occultism and all that just kind of go together mm-hmm. in the same way that yours kind of go together, Ren, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's that's why um, I, I've been so interested in his work and, you know, have, have talked to him, you know, both on shows and uh, privately about this kind of stuff. Because, you know, like we talked about on the show, I don't think those things are necessarily... Um, uh, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, you know? Yeah. I was trying to dig in a little bit and I wanted him to get a little more into the weeds with that stuff. Whereas as far as like actual, uh, secret societies and their role in these different Mm -hmm. revolutionary epics and where they're at today. And this idea of the white and black lodge and are these, Mm -hmm. uh, also is this duality also representative of the political system and, you know, Really into the yeah. weeds on this stuff. He talks a lot in, in Secret Cipher about the yeah, Knights yeah. of Malta in particular. Yes, absolutely. More about that. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. But we got plenty of time to do more shows with that one. Yeah. And let's hope let's hope that uh, we can that you know, I know the situation right now, everything's really weird and everything's really up in the air. But hopefully we can pull this conference off and we can make it happen. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's for like everyone to get to meet Alan in the flesh and see him in the flesh. That'd be great. Yeah. Bro, God willing, not, this stuff will be taken care of by then. I'm really hoping for yeah. it. Cause I'm, I'm looking forward to the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way. I think we'll find <laughs> some way. Thankfully it's not only can... like one or two months as we got, you know, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We got a good, good little bit chunk of time. So we will see. All right, guys. Well, that's it. Um, Patreon is up. We've been, doing uh pretty regular episodes on that you, we yeah. pretty much have like a two-parter now on like echo the dolphin we've got a we responded to that uh john Lilly, which yeah, is really interesting to that real real uh popular response to that episode so we've got a another one where we're, yeah. we're continuing it and rob joins us yes on the on the, on that, normal on that episode too yeah so if you're interested in finding that that's uh patreon.com slash conspiranormal uh join us on there everything's on there is like you can you can get access for a dollar if you want to throw us more help us out and uh, you're going to get access to at least every week and there's about i think 40 something posts on there by now something like that so there's a lot there um YouTube channel, Conspiracy Normal Podcast. Also, uh, sign up there. Give us a subscription. And uh, I think that's it, guys. Awesome. Well, thanks for inviting Two-parter me. Two-parter, whatever uh, it's going to be. 
Yeah. Yes, sir. Thanks for yeah. coming on, Red. Everyone yeah. stay safe. Uh, to all the listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, stay frosty. We'll get yep. through this. We will get through this. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next time on Conspiracy. by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.